Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you. Coming from Park Avenue. Aren't we on Park Avenue, Lee? Like right here in the thick of it, right? Grand Central. Grand Central. Uh, We got off to a fantastic start. We've been catching up with some old friends, making some new ones, and uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. This is going to be a great conversation. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast Head of Talent and Diversity with Nomura Securities, Mr. Steve Berkery. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Steve, do you mind sharing a little bit about Nomura? What are you guys doing for folks? So Nomura is a financial services firm, uh, primarily investment banking, uh, so security, sales, trading, um, investment banking, deals, uh, M&A type transactions. So we kind of sit within the uh, the investment banking realm, um, probably stacked up against some of our competition that's more well-known, like uh, Morgan Stanley, JP, firms like that. Uh, but that's essentially our space. Now, how long have you been in the uh, learning field? Uh, 16 years and counting. So you're getting pretty good at it? I th- I th- I'd like to think that I am. I'd like to think that I am. Uh, maybe you guys will help me figure that out. But uh, You don't but, look yeah. that long in the tooth, man. You've really been at it that long. I've been at it Started that long. in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Now, uh, what's your favorite part of the job? Uh, well, I think it's probably the, you know, the reason that, uh, that a lot of us who are in the profession get into it, which is the people, um, you know, it's a very people driven business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you get to, you get to really kind of see your, uh, the impact of your work on it pretty much a daily basis. So that, that's, that's pretty exciting. Now, how have you seen the industry evolve over the years? Uh, you, you know, since I came in to the industry, uh, I, I started in, uh, in roughly about 99. Um, so you, you were know, like early internet? Y- yeah, yeah, like pre, pre, ah. pre, pre, yeah, dot, pre dot com. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, you know, it, it was, it was mostly training focused. In fact, you, you've probably seen our, even our, what we call ourselves evolve over the years. So, you know, very much kind of training delivery focused, um, you know, to now where, you know, my role encompasses all things training and development related. And talent. And talent uh, and also diversity. So, mm-hmm. you know, the scope of what we do, I think, is probably the biggest thing that has changed for us. So your backstory before all this, did you, do you have a, a different type of career or straight out of school or? Were you always in the financial realm? Yeah, pretty much always in the financial realm. Made made a, a stop along the way in retail, but uh, you know my my was backstory it was it was, <laughs> was short lived. I think you know it's it's an interesting part of the story for sure, uh, which I'm happy to share. Yeah, tell us about it. But uh, I think when you grow up in an industry as I did, which was really financial services, it it, it can be quite difficult to make a switch. You mm-hmm. know, and you hear about it. Uh, even th- even though what I was doing, um, you know, within retail was very similar to what I'm doing now. Culture just plays such a big part in, you know, how, how you can, you know, how you succeed. And uh, I, I, f- I really felt the difference. It's not that it was good or bad necessarily. It just maybe was not right for me because of what I was used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, backstory wise, uh, you know, I, I actually came out of college and was on the business side. So I was a stockbroker. Uh, I think when they called stockbrokers, stockbrokers, <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of was very interested in Wall Street and financial services. So I always kind of have that in my back pocket, I think, right. as I kind of 
now support those businesses. And it probably gives you a good perspective because you kind of were on the front lines there. So you can see things through their eyes a little bit. I think it does. I think it does. I think it also, you know, you kind of talk the language of, of the businesses that you support. And I mm-hmm. think that's really critical. I think it's, uh, you know, the businesses look for that kind of acumen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not always perfect, but it's there. You know, you kind of, you, maybe there's a rhythm to it. Now that uh, we like to share pro tips, you think that's a pro tip to kind of immerse yourself, at least if you have the chance to kind of work the front lines? You should work in the mailroom for a while, right? No matter what you're Mm -hmm. going to do or what you you are doing, You should get down to the docks, absolutely. You got to get down to the docks and you got to talk to the people that are, you know, doing the loading and the unloading. I really really do believe that. And uh, I I do think it's a tip. Um, I think it's actually expected. It's part of the credibility factor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we are... A support function. We're not a revenue generating function, and uh, and I think your your credibility you have to lead with that first, and uh, and that goes a long way towards doing that. Can you share a little bit about uh, your head of talent and diversity? So how does that come to play in your organization, talent and diversity? Yeah, it's it's actually frankly quite new for me. Uh, it's it's I've kind of been working around the periphery of the diversity and inclusion space for, you know, the last several years, but I've never been responsible for it. So it's, it's quite an exciting element of my job. Uh, and I think something that I, I always look for, you know, kind of what's new, what's different. Right. More and more, we're seeing that diversity and inclusion is kind of sitting in the talent space because, uh, you know, again, it is a, it is a people element of the human resource field. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, you know, who, who we're attracting, um, you know, what the environment in the organization looks like, um, you know, how inclusive are we as an organization? Those are all the types of things that we're looking after there, um, that no more the way that kind of takes, uh, takes place are through really grassroots networks, uh, you know, women's networks, LGBTA networks, um, to, you know, things that are focused on employee life and family. So just uh, really kind of, uh, you know, people-driven networks that are owned by the employees that we, you know, I kind of oversee to, uh, you know, to, to, to drive an inclusive workforce. It's, it's a really unique and quite an exciting element of the role. So now, how, but how do you go about that? Like, has this always been part of uh, your organization or is this kind of a new initiative that you're putting into place? Uh, you know, so being relatively new to Nomura, it's been in place for the last few years. I've been there, um, you know, for just under a year now. And, um, you know, I, I think it's seen as being something that's just critically important to the human capital agenda for, for most firms. Um, we've been at it probably not as long as some others have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're in a, a very interesting and exciting kind of build out space in there. But they've prioritized it. No obviously. question. Um, and then so, but how do you like, okay. Do you pick the groups that you're going to prioritize in terms of, okay, we want to include more of them. And then so do you immerse yourself in that community a little bit to kind of socialize what you guys are up to? Like, how how do you... um kind of make an impact in those communities yeah. you're trying to figure out how to get in with the cool crowd yeah when i say grassroots i really mean that you know the the networks are um are formed by and driven by the employees you know we we have an oversight there but it's it's actually i think it's best when they are owned by the employees that make up the networks themselves um so you're giving them the opportunity to create that kind of community within the organization 
Correct. And, you know, it, it's, it really feeds into uh, our recruiting practices. You know, it's something that we can talk to potential candidates about uh, to, you know, just how we, you know, uh, pay attention to advancement. You know, are we looking at diverse candidates of slates for people who are being promoted up through, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the chain of command? I, all, all of that is taken into account on my side. The, the day-to-day is really owned by the networks and the people themselves, which I think is a great, uh, great model. Do you use mentoring as part of that? We have, yeah. We, we've uh, particularly in some of the um, some of the women's network uh, development events that we've had, uh, like they're, job they're shadowing, job or? shadowing um, to you know kind of more formal matching and pairing with you know senior executives in the firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's something that we that we look after, and that's where it kind of takes on a little bit more of a traditional learning or program management realm uh, for us, and that's where we step in. Now, when you're saying um, recruiting, are you talking about like from college to recruit to, into the firm? Uh, yeah, from campuses to our lateral recruiting efforts. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. So both, and then um, from a campus standpoint, I would imagine the conversations you're having with those candidates to show them those communities and how you're there's those opportunities that probably is a, is a selling point for your firm. It is. It's absolutely a selling point for our firm. Um, and you know, we you know we tip you know we'll we'll look at uh, resumes and we you know we'll take a very close look at whether or not we feel we have a diverse slate of candidates, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it gets that rigorous, particularly at the recruiting wow. level. Yeah. So talk a little bit, if you would, about uh, success metrics and its impact on, on decisions and, and, the, and the ability to go get funding for the stuff you want to do. How do you approach that whole conversation around ROI and success metrics with, uh, with all these diverse efforts and these diverse populations you're working with? Yeah. You know, I'd have to say that's probably like, you know, the Da Vinci Code. The Berkeley Bible, I thought we'd call it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's um, you know, it's something that those of us who have been in learning and development for a while have been working on. And there are definitely models out there from, you know, ROI to, you know, looking at balanced scorecard. You know, what what's our impact for clients to how are we kind of working internally? What's our spend across the board? Um, you know, I, I've done some of that in my career i'd have to say um we look at that probably more at no more on a program by program basis you know if we're if we're doing something that's targeted for a sales division let's say right. that's a ripe opportunity for an roi study uh, so we'll, right. we'll embark on that um but I, I guess i guess the thing that i would say is we we don't do measurement for measurement's sake um right. it's just not, because you can measure that's an easy trap should. to fall into though isn't it it, it definitely it is be, yeah it definitely is. And, uh, you know, you can spend a lot of time, effort, and money on that. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we do do it. We, we, you know, it's not something that we don't deem as being important. I certainly advocate for it, um, you know, within my own work. But I think one of the biggest things that you can have is that kind of senior level support where, you know, versus kind of trying to prove successes, you have senior level buy-in for learning and development, diversity, talent management and that that's where you know it's either in the fabric of the organization or you find that you're constantly trying to prove your worth and i i would say it no more it's it's something that uh, it's valued by the hierarchy which is great yeah that's critical i mean uh at the end of the day though how do you know like you've done a good job like how when, when are you all high-fiving yeah, uh, you know, I think when our clients tell us that we have, and I think you know, it's it's pr- it pretty much boils down to that, and they'll tell us that in various ways. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, we'll, we'll be high fiving if um, you know if we've delivered a program that we under that we can kind of see as having impact on an employee's ability 
to run a deal, to make a pitch, mm-hmm. um, you know, to get a client. Uh, you know, we're in an interesting market where, you know, we're also involved in, you know, bringing clients to international or um, locations, Tokyo as an example. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's a success factor for, our, for a lot of our sales teams on the ground in New York. So there's a lot of kind of tips and tactics that you need to go about to do that. We rely heavily on our sales teams to help us, but we frame programs around things like that. And then we can look for things like, you know, what are the numbers of visits? How many clients have we brought? And, and that's, you know, if we see that we're a lever for that, then we're high-fiving. Now, is there anything that's happening um, from a design standpoint that's interesting at your firm? Yeah, I mean, design design itself is probably, um, you know, I don't know if I put design and interesting in the same uh, <laughs> you know, kind of uh, sentence. With, with I don't know what your superpower is. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I think, you know, a- anytime we are, you know, uh, it, the thing for us is, and the, th- the thing for me is, we, we do a lot of planning. You know, we plan out the year. We sit down and we do budgets and we work with our clients to determine, you know, what's to spend for training and development, learning and right. development going to be for the and year. Because you have to know the company's priorities going forward, right, in order to build the learning around those? No question about it. But I think where we can really have a lot of impact is, um, you know, when we are kind of just in time, you know, really providing the support for an initiative that may have just cropped up. So the, um, these communities, are they coming to you and asking for specific kinds of content and that's really shaping your curricula? Or they, at least is that one path for where the curricula gets? It yeah. is. It is. Well, there's your high five right it's, there. To me, that's a major high five. If I've got that community, those communities coming to me requesting content as opposed to me sitting up in the ivory tower and saying, I wonder what we could throw at these folks next. Right. I, I think that I think that that's very true. Uh, I, you know, I would also say that the business doesn't necessarily always know what that's going to be and when that's going to be, right. you know, and, and we're there to support the business. So we, we try to be planful with them, but, uh, you know, things can change, you know, really quarter to quarter, month to month. Uh, you know, for example, you know, just recently we had uh, a team of our banking population come to us to talk to us about uh, some uh support that they were looking for for their VP population for client meetings. So, you know, and what as we kind of looked at it a little more closely, it boiled down to things like really careful listening skills, you know, being able to kind of grab the jump ball in a deal meeting in a boardroom and kind of, you know, when you're in a competitive environment, these aren't things that you necessarily learn in grad school, right? So right. that's <laughs> right. where we can really have a, a lot of impact. But that was not necessarily something that was foreseen at the beginning of the year when we were planning budgets right it's something that came to us kind of point in time that we had to react to and change to uh and, and change to react to i should say and that is where i think we can really make a lot of impact it's those you know very critical moments where the business is looking to us for that kind of support and if we can turn that around it's not easy to do but if you can turn that around i think you can have a lot of success now, can you, let's walk through that as an example. So somebody had this need, something came up obviously where they're like, well, boy, I wish we had some more training around this or this would be good if our people knew how to do this skill. Is that what occurred? Like somebody, some executive came to you and said that? It does. It usually doesn't come to you in that way. You know, sometimes it comes like we have this problem and, you know, you know I don't know if you remember kind of the Apollo 13 scene where they kind of, you know, they, they, they brought to the guys, uh, you know, the, the, the CO2 levels were rising on the ship right. and they brought to the guys all the kind of the contraptions and they said, you know, 
you, we, we got to make this kind of fit into this, right? So sure. it's it's usually like that. We have we you know we're we're our uh, for example our VPs are in boardrooms and they are they seem to be you know missing that jump ball. Can you, you know, what what can we do? We think but, it might boil down to. But who flagged that? Who who said? Who brought that to? Those your are typically senior business leaders, which is great. You know, that's that's an ideal scenario because right. right there you have that you know that buy-in, which is which is great. The you know the pressure then is on us to figure out okay so what go, exactly fix, is it. But they're not saying hey fix Bob, right? They're saying we have this challenge. This is <laughs> do happening. Do you ever get that? <laughs> hey, <laughs> can, can you fix Bob? Sometimes it's fix Bob. <laughs> Sometimes it's fix Bob. Uh, and uh, and also that we have this challenge. Um, right. A lot of times it boils down to Bob, but we you know it's 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 yeah, that's part of where we have to you know and a lot of us have been trained in needs assessment and needs analysis for training mm-hmm. and development. That's where you have to kind of peel back the layer of the onion and figure right, out right because it may not be the thing they think it is right. Yeah, a lot a lot of times it, a lot of times it's not, um, or you know the solution is not necessarily one that they would come up with, and you have to be prepared for that. Right. I think that's where that kind of business insight comes into play because if you're you know way out in left field. You know, and don't understand right, you what happens in a, in a boardroom, in college, right? Right, right. <laughs> then you have to. Then, then you're learning on the go, and th- and that's okay sometimes. So you can you can get around some of that. But I think that's where the the credibility factor is uh, is higher if you're kind of coming in at least talking that language with them. So when they came in with this specific challenge, you um, had to kind of peel back some layers to get to the heart of what the real problem was and what the solution could be, right? And work with the parameters you had. And what our role in it is. Right. You know, because I think we have to be careful, and a lot of it times it comes to fix Bob, and <laughs> uh, and we have this business issue, and it's great that we're brought to that table. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll take that any day, any day. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, the, the thing we also want to emphasize is that, you know, we can, what it boiled down to us was we could do some training around kind of case study scenarios that look like a boardroom and really kind of hone in on listening skills. And that's what the that's what it seemed to be for us for that. Right. The rest of it has to be, you know, are these bankers given the opportunity to practice these skills on a day to day basis as a lead in before they're kind of on Broadway that they get to do this off Broadway. Right. To practice in a safe environment. No question. And then as well, what about afterwards? Are they getting the kind of the feedback? The rapid feedback the in order to kind of when you break from that boardroom, do you hear what worked well, what didn't? That debrief. And the, the manager and the business element in that is so critical. So it's kind of, we, we, we kind of say, you know, we'll, they come to us to help, you know, help us get from point A to point B. We'll help you get from A to A plus, And then that, you know, kind of that rest of that gap is up to you. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very clear with the business about that. To manage their expectations. When you say up yeah. to you, you're talking to the learner and that, that, uh, that manager that it has that, that immediate proximity to that learner yeah and, and i would say probably prioritizing even the management involvement mm-hmm. in the process I think management involvement in the process for anything we do learning and development related is really important well they can untrain them quicker than you can train them right <laughs> they're there with them every day they're right. there with them every day so you know it's, it, we do things like uh you know uh coach the coach you know coach the coach uh-huh. training you know just giving people the skills for, you know for providing feedback because again you know uh, you know we work with some pretty successful people they're subject matter experts and they and they do come to us still for support mm-hmm. for some of the you know kind of more basic management skills like giving somebody having a feedback discussion right it's interesting so now in this case did you 
like they tell you on Monday, so you got to have it done by Wednesday. Like, what's the timeline on the project like this? Sometimes <laughs> it is that. Uh, we, but uh, in that case, it was not. I think we had we had a little bit of lead time. Uh, you know, we were doing a little bit in that space, and mm-hmm. so we were able to you know kind of do some adjusting on the fly for some existing programs. Um, we rely on some vendors for delivery who have expertise in this field. That would not necessarily be me delivering that training. We have to look for... So you use other resources, Correct. not just your own team. Correct, yeah, and in that particular case, we did. So uh, where are you gonna be investing the, the bulk of your energy and effort in the next six to eight months that you're allowed to talk about? You got Have you got kind of a focus area going into through maybe mid next year? Yeah, you know, I think we do. Uh, it, we're in an interesting space because we are, um, you know, we're doing a bit of a build. And as I mentioned to you, particularly in the diversity and inclusion space, right. I think we've been at that uh, maybe not as long. So that that will certainly be one. We'll continue to, you know, look at these networks, how they evolve, uh, provide, you know, whatever support we can to link, uh, you know, recruiting, development, advancement, and all the processes that we look out for to those networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, as well, we, you know, we are, we, we run a, we run a curriculum, uh, that is provided to essentially open enrollment to our employees at the organization, which is great. And it's seen as being a great benefit. And what but, are, can you share some examples of? Yeah. You know, they're, they're professional skills based, uh, types of programs like, um, you know, always a huge kind of, um, uh, uptake for things like communication skills and, you know, presence and impact presentation skills, I think. Right. You know, in my my next role, that that will be. And these are set up as open enrollment, or. Yeah, they are. Yep. Nice. They are set up as open enrollment, so we get a lot of uptake on those kinds of things. Basic financial kind of skills, um, you know, uh, just understanding the financial markets and products is important. Right, because you have compliance issues and a lot of regulation. We do. Yeah, we do. Um, so we have to respond to that. But right. uh, again, you know, it's we. I, I see us as being a player in the. You know what did they not teach you in business school that you're really that you're really like going real to life. need here, right. and it's not to you know nothing against business school programs, but there are some very you know kind of nuanced differences, and that's where we come in. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap, let's leave our listeners with uh, a pro tip in one of these areas that we've talked about, whether it's providing that 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 reinforcement behind really strong training, whether it's beginning to cultivate and serve distinct constituencies. But uh, if you have one that comes to mind, kind of a do or a don't or, or a package, let's leave our listeners with a with a pro tip if we could. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, the, the business acumen piece, as I mentioned, is, is really critical. Um, but I, I think you really need to come to the table with, uh, with an opinion. And the business acumen <laughs> helps with that. Don't, don't. So the don't is don't just show up to meetings, you know, with a with a uh, piece of paper, you know, and a pen to jot things down, uh, you know, literally come prepared with a few ideas, you know, based on what, you know, either your expertise or maybe something that you've researched coming in there. I think it's really critical that uh, our businesses see us as advising them directionally versus just uh, kind of order takers. And that trusted advisor role is um, a lot of, a lot of that is the positioning of yourself, the confidence and the ability to have these kind of peer-to-peer conversations right it is and not yeah. be like an, like you said an order taker submissive to the client necessarily yeah yeah it's not customer service right. it's definitely not customer service it is uh it is tr- we use the word the phrase trusted advisor all the time um we train clients on that very concept and i think it's really important for us 
in the talent field, uh, you know, to be seen as that. And that, and those are a couple of ways that I think you can, you can get uh, a little further on down the road in doing that. Now, how do you identify those high potentials that have that kind of the cap that you think are, have the capabilities to perform at that higher level? So, you know, we, we do some pretty, uh, some pretty rigorous work on that where we are actively identifying who our high potential talent is on a continuous basis, um, you know, through our ratings and through kind of some potential scales. So, uh, you know, at any given point in time, we, we like to be able to say, you know, you know, who, who's that population and what are their needs? Um, so we, tr we try to do that uh, as an ongoing um, kind of practice. And then if we're running a training program, for example, that is dedicated for that population, which we do, um, you know, that, then we kind of have insights to that. And we'll work with the business to help us further identify who should come along to some of our more targeted programs for that for those folks. But you have programs for everybody as well. We do, yeah. We have, we have actually kind of a nice combination there um, that uh, allows for open enrollment, which I think is seen as being a benefit. We do some high potential work, and then you know, it, you know, to say, you know, what what do we what do I think we're going to be doing more of? I would say it's probably more of these bespoke, you know, just in time programs, mm -hmm. which I think, you know, I would say, you know, we plan but carve out time for those things too. Don't don't over plan because there are always going to be those one or two. Right. Things so you got to anticipate that you're going to be doing some of this kind of impromptu stuff as they arise it's you shouldn't be shocked right you shouldn't be it, shocked it happens all the time it happens all the time and and the other thing is you want to be um you want to be nimble on that you don't want to be so bogged down with some of these right other things. look we we don't have the bandwidth this year you know so you can't afford to wait six months for some of these programs <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't think you can and frankly you know i we if we if we were pressed we i would give up some of the more open enrollment type things yeah to you know, work with a, a specific business on an issue like the one I mentioned in banking, right. because I think that's where we can really have some, some, some uh, immediate, impact. immediate impact. All right, Steve Berkery with uh, Nomura. Well said, well done. Let's do it again sometime. What a fantastic conversation. Thanks so much for coming and hanging with us this morning. Thank you guys, it's a pleasure. All right, we'll be back in a few from Park Avenue. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.